Hey everyone, Abraham here. So last week, if you listened in, we did part one of our self-management episode and we actually split it in half. And so part two this week is gonna start right in the middle of a, where we were at where when we were recording. And so this week we will be hearing part two of our self-management episode. So if you haven't heard part one, it will be a little bit confusing. You should go back and listen to part one before listening to this episode. But otherwise, if you've heard part one, then I hope you enjoy. I think a very important part of any of this is, and part of part of why we don't know how to kind of fix this across the board through all these different industries, like I talked about, and things like that, is mm-hmm. there's a process of measuring what you're doing and seeing if it's working for you specifically or not. It's okay. Important. So if I had a history of uh, growing up with a drill sergeant, you know, in a, in a military family or something like that, where yeah. that was kind of what we did, and that was a part of kind of my value system, what was instilled in me. Yeah. Then those sort of processes might work really well for my goal setting. That's fair. That's right? a great point. Um, and that might be actually like a go-to that I would use in that situation because it's going to give me what I want. Whereas other times I might not use that. Right? If I had a different history, that mm-hmm. might not be my one. So what I was getting at was um, we call it single subject design. Really, what it is is. You're just focusing on your individual progress and what what's actually influencing it. Yeah. So with that, so it's like a in, in terms of research, it's like a case study, right? Yeah. Where it's like, I mean, you can have multiple cases within a single, um, yeah, sort of uh, attempt to change yeah. something, um, but where you're really looking at the patterns as they change within one one person. Yeah. 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 So a case study. Um, yeah, we can get into specifics of like case studies versus other ones maybe sometime. Yeah. So we can kind of look at the research. Through. I think it should be, it'd probably be useful. I actually like talking about these when I'm teaching because um, when we go through trying to evaluate how good a research is, and a lot of people will look at if it's an N of one or a single case or within subject controls, yeah. and they're like, that's bad. And I'm like, well, it depends on the question you're asking. Because yep. it's not – group designs are not the only way to ask a research question, and single subject designs are not the only way to – there are the different ways, depending on the question you're asking – we got way off track. Yeah, I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> well, I love that the, stuff. The so. way to kind of tie it back in is like I think self-management is about the individual, right? Yeah. Okay. Like, great point. Why not there we pull go. those things in there? So, That's a um, good point. yeah, the a way to kind of do that is uh, maybe what you do is you download that app and you know that for the last couple of weeks you haven't really been running at all. Mm-hmm. You try that app for a couple of weeks after that. Maybe mm-hmm. you try it for you know 20 days or something like that, and you look at your progress there. You could even delete that app if you want to go that far. And see whether or not you're running maintains, mm-hmm. right? So or, you're measuring the whole time. Yeah, you continue measuring okay. exactly. So you kind of have this like first condition where you've like you know your baseline that you talked about, like oh, it's not really working, and I want to yeah. kind of make some changes. Running it down this app, I run a little bit. I stop opening the app, or I stop, which is a little different question, but yeah. or I delete the app to see if it's actually motivating me. Now what we did is we kind of had baseline, we tried something, we went back to baseline, we could see whether or not we kind of fall back to our normal levels, and then you could actually decide whether or not to again implement that treatment again. I feel like um, I would delete the app and then I'd be like, I'm going to prove this app wasn't helpful by going running right now. Yeah, <laughs> and that might actually be, so that would tell you, hey, maybe what it is is you want to do it in the spite of something, right? Like, right. So let's, oh, so let's, I, I, need let's a, I need a cause. I actually set a lot of goals because I see things that are like, I wish I could do that differently than how they're doing it. And cool. it's kind of that same thing. The motivation is kind of like, let's do it in spite of this other thing. I mean, really that's better. In, I think in part why I wanted to do this podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Uh, so like, that is, I have that is a little part of it. Yeah, that's part of it here, but it's a lot different for me too. Yeah. So yeah, it's actually using that idea of 
let's measure our progress. Let's be very careful in tracking what worked, what didn't work. As for uh, what I alluded to of like actually opening the app, that's uh, always going to be a problem until someone really hits that really solid process on self-management. Yeah. It's funny because... I think I, I know that for myself, I can find excuses of, for like my email is a really good example of this. I didn't respond to the email because I didn't read the email. I didn't read the email because I didn't open the app. And that is my, my legitimate excuse for why I did not know that I was supposed to do this thing. So for me, it is a way of uh, diffusing my responsibility and getting out of obligations. Mm-hmm. And totally not, I like, I don't go out this, I'm going to have an excuse today. Yeah. But I know that looking at the pattern of my behavior that I only mention this because it's related to the, the thing about opening the app of that is its own step in the yeah. process. And the whole, I have to open my email to look at it. I'm like, well, just don't open my email. Yeah. Boom. Problem yeah. avoided. Yeah. Uh, and so knowing how you can almost play whack-a-mole, what, uh-huh. what's the, the newest barrier that I've gotten, that's yeah. gotten in my way of this. Yeah. Um, so that actually uh, brings me back to the question I had of the whether or not you feel like it's useful to look at what are the things that are my, my barriers to hitting these goals or even setting the goals uh-huh. and what is maintaining those barriers. Yeah. Um, and so for me, like going back to the whole email example, I know people rely on me to be checking my emails and respond to them quickly and I get overwhelmed really easily. And mm-hmm. so uh, a barrier that I have is like, just don't check it. Like don't even open it. Don't read it. Don't, yeah. then I don't have a, I, I have an excuse not to have responded yeah. to it. And so what maintains that is that keeps my to-do list smaller. Yep. <laughs> it, it allows me the uh, excuse of taking breaks and getting out of things that I feel like I don't want to do them. Yeah. I don't know what they are sometimes, yeah. but like I just want to reduce the amount of things I have to do. Yeah. And so um, for me, identifying that that is a barrier and what is maintaining that barrier is escaping from to-do list items yeah. or avoiding them altogether. Yeah. So um, part of mine in the email example is just like there's so much because I yeah. like to like follow a lot of like – uh, folks that talk about like what they're doing, kind of keeping up to date on like what our field's doing. Yeah. And for me, uh, one quick simple change was finding a program. I actually used Outlook originally to mm-hmm. filter all my things. You can yeah. set up the rules. And when I set that up, like, oh, it was so much easier because I could actually find, for me, it was, I'd find the most important. I'd reply and handle those. Yeah. I knew everything that wasn't important and it wasn't kind of overwhelming. I gotcha. So, yeah, there's different ways to tackle those barriers. Cool. So, is that. Do you feel like that's relevant in terms of setting up the self-management system that you've talked about? Yeah, identifying stuff? your barriers. Yeah. yeah, it's huge. So, okay. yeah, we recently did an event where we worked with some folks uh, about uh, on these sort of things in a professional realm. Mm-hmm. And we hit the values, the goals, and we had a whole activity just on the barriers. Right. What are your barriers you're likely to run into and how can you plan for them? Mm-hmm. Also, when you, you're going to run into them. Yeah. It's like a part of... Uh, a part of like what I do in my day to day is I actually plan at least a two hour and it's on total it's two hour block. Yeah. But I have two hours of my day, usually in fifteen to hour long blocks of um, I'm gonna handle whatever I run into for that day at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took me so long to figure out like how to actually do that. And yeah. certain days I plan more or less time because I'm getting better at predicting like what sort of things I might run into. Yeah. Some days I really mess it up yeah. and I kind of put a lot of stuff to the wayside, but I actually start planning in those sort of things of I'm going to run into barriers and I'm going to handle these sort of barriers. Okay. Um, and in the moment it's hard to still tackle those sort of things because you're just like, oh man, I want to deal with this. Um, but when I have that time set aside, it's just like, all right, I knock all those things out that are in my way. And then I sit down and hit the other things I really value again. I gotcha. So that's been a useful strategy for me, um, especially in the professional realm. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to, I guess we can maybe segue. Uh, I, I have three things specifically I'm thinking of, but do you have, like, what, what are your specific topics? So you want to talk about public commitments? Yeah. Um, it kind of goes back to the running thing that I said. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, sure. So my, my thing was that uh, I guess there's two quick things because it kind of goes with the support network. A public commitment is very important, so we can hit stick contracts in a bit. Okay. And what those are, um, and what that kind of approach was. But then there's these contingency managers. So okay. Sometimes people will say you need to have a contingency manager. Contingency is just if-then relation. If I do this, then this happens. Okay. Um, ideally, it's if this happens and only if this happens, then I get this. It's a Makes very me think strong sort of, of like a, a military contingency. Yeah. <laughs> like an or, operation. Uh, or Armageddon where, do you have a contingency plan? Yeah. That, <laughs> contingency yeah. plan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> Good reference. That's about the only pop culture reference to get out of me. Oh, um, man. <laughs> I have to work on that. Uh, so the idea of a contingency manager um, would be very useful to recruit someone to help you kind of watch these sort of things. Um, I think one thing I just want to mention here is those procrastinators. Um, it's actually useful to work with your contingency manager on setting goals earlier than they're actually due. It doesn't mean you're going to necessarily get them done, but with that social pressure, especially yeah. if you have the right people in the support network, yeah. what you can do is you can actually establish hitting your goals earlier than the original deadlines over time. And you can actually work on solving some of those procrastinations. Yeah. Um, and then one other thing before we jump into some other stuff is the very nature of goal setting and values and like doing your daily action and moving towards things mm-hmm. um, is you you only have 24 hours in a day. There's no <laughs> way you're going to change that, right? Really don't think there's a way that's going to change too much. You can sleep less and those sort of things. But at the end of the day, yeah. really, you can only work so much towards a certain value or goal. Yeah. And the very nature of engaging in that means you're going to have incompatible things that you cannot work towards. So be mindful right? of what you're capable of and what your time supports. That sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. like that's spending, actually that's a hard skill. Yeah. Like that's a really like difficult lesson to learn. Yeah. And the, the I'm kind still of, not good at it. Part of it there is just like Let's be really compassionate towards that idea of like I'm not going to get able be able to get to everything. I'm going to do the best that I can. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of this messed up part of it as well of like spending time on one value means you're not going to be able to hit the others. Like yeah. A lot of social activities involve at least in my life and a lot of American life I think involves uh, food and mm. alcoholic beverages or things like that. Yeah. Like, but those can actually work directly against health, healthy goals. I recently have been working on that running stuff a lot, and mm-hmm. I've totally cut out a lot of social events, and I didn't realize why, but I realized it's because it led to those sort of things, which made it harder for my goals of running and right. stuff. So it kind of like in hindsight, you're like, oh, like that's why I haven't seen my friends as much as I usually do. Yeah. Or likely why. Yeah. You know, when I go back to my other change and I get back into that kind of baseline again, mm-hmm. I can see like was that part of what might influence it. And actually, it's a so, good point to bring up that you can get really good at self-management and then lose sight of the other things that are valuable to you. Yep. And I definitely have had that experience where there are things that are important to me and I'm already doing values-based things. And so I let those – I'm like, you know, I can find room here by cutting out a little time of this thing. Yep. And I can find room here by cutting. And yep. so what I end up doing is I end up getting rid of so many elements of, of things that are important to me. But I, I can always make excuses because they were present at the time. Yep. So it's like, this I'm doing plenty of this already. I can cut that here. Yeah. And um, then I miss I'll out go, on some things. I'll go on the record that I did that way too much in grad school. And I lost touch with a lot of family and friends that I, I've had to work on kind of rebuilding some relationships over. Yeah. Um, and that's taken years to actually achieve. And then there's uh, still things where I find myself doing that. And it's a battle in which I still have to choose one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually have some... Uh, some really close family members that still like we have these conversations about like how much time I'm spending where, um, and it's because of that competing kind of values and the way yeah. I kind of judge myself and like the way I kind of justify it, and it's it's always 
it shows very much that as much as it's self-management, quote unquote, yeah, it is very much not just the self. It's everybody else around you that right. makes that self valuable, right? Okay, yeah, cool. that's a good point. Um, so the one thing we didn't really hit specifically is like the measurable component. We should always measure the things as kind of the last part. So I mentioned three areas, values, goal setting, and then the last one's kind of like daily action, which we've talked this entire time about mm-hmm. big thing there is measure whether that's a frequency how often it happens in a day yeah. a week a month a year the duration that you're running find something that's tangible that you can count mm-hmm. count those things however you want to do it spreadsheet notebook you know tallies yeah you throw them up on the wall graphs some people like to have just like start like doing something that they're wearing the, yeah 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 pick something start looking at it and look at the progress I don't think you have to do that if you're very good at paying attention to kind of what's going on around you. Right. And you can kind of recall those sort of things. Yeah. Some, some people are great at just sort of having having a good finger on their pulse of what the behavior they're already doing, like how much that yeah. occurs. And like sometimes there's like good written records of that as well. Yeah. So that's kind of the, the, the long story long on uh, self-management, the kind of framework I've come into. Yeah. All of those areas, values, goal setting, and daily action are all very much in the psychological nature and how much we have to bring those back in and kind of hit that right point. So well, what else we got to well, cover? There's a couple of things I wanted to go into. One was just, um, I feel like this has been a very personal, <laughs> a very personal <laughs> episode, which is great. I, I, I love it. Yeah. And uh, I, I mentioned the story about my running. There's one other thing I was going to talk about of um, I, when I got into a little bit of this like self discovery of like how much I can actually control my own behavior more so than I used to think where, um, I, I did a really long fast. Um, well, not really long people fast way longer than this, but for me it was really long, <laughs> yeah. um, where I, I never had any desire to do this before. And it just happened to be this one time that like I came home late from work and I hadn't eaten since like noon and it was 10 o'clock at night and I was like, it's too late to eat anything. And I was grumpy anyway. And I don't think I'd ever skipped a meal up to that point in my life. You okay. know? And yeah. so I went to bed thinking like, I'm going to, I'm probably not going to wake up. Like I'm probably going to die because I didn't have dinner, you know? And so I went to bed <laughs> and I woke up and I felt fine. And I was like, so fine. In fact, I was like, I feel like I should at least feel queasy. Um, but I woke up and I felt fine. And I kind of went from there. I'm like, I wonder, like, maybe I don't really need to eat as much as I'm eating. And <laughs> that spiraled out of control quickly. But so what I did is I was like, well, I'm just going to start skipping. Like, I'm going to stop eating past like five o'clock because clearly mm-hmm. I can wait till, you know, all the way till morning. And, uh, and like, I'm going to only eat uh, nothing past five. And I'm like, well, that was pretty easy. I'll scale it back to three. Yeah. I'll scale it back to noon. And then it was like, I'm going to eat just breakfast. And <laughs> I did that for a couple months. And then I was like, you know, I really like drinking like juices and water and tea. I'm like, I bet I could just do that. Yeah. And so I like pre- I prepped myself for this, <laughs> and I planned to do ten days originally, but I was much younger at the time. I, uh, this happened. Day ten would have landed on the day that I was planning to go to a warped tour in California. Okay. <laughs> and yeah. it's like I'm already like I by the time I'm in the middle of this fast, I'm like already passing out sometimes. So I'm like I probably don't want to go stand in the heat for 14 hours without having any smart food. decision. Yeah, so I decided to break my fast a little bit early. But this experience that I had and one of the things that I loved about it cuz even though it was crazy and I lost a ton of weight and I was passing out just from standing up because I took all the energy I had. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't – I had this idea of like I was going to drink juice and drink all these liquids. I was barely doing any of that. It was mostly just water if I had time for water. Mm-hmm. Um, and so by the time I, I ended this, what, what I was experiencing was 
every time I felt hunger, it was this, yes, I did it again. I'm successful. (laughs) And it was because it was this whole thing of I was able to regulate my behavior and endure past these things that were getting in my way Mm -hmm. that would normally present themselves as, first of all, a cue of you need to eat something or you're going to die. (laughs) But it was perceived as kind of these challenges. Yeah, it was. Exactly right. And so um, the thing that was rewarding about it was the self-management aspect. It was because I could control these things I didn't think I could control before. And uh, and so I starved myself for eight days and Uh I lost, you know, I weighed as much as I did when I was in like fifth grade um, (laughs) in my 20s. Was uh, that the one where you took photos? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I have all these pictures of it. I'm like just turning, wasting away. Um, I remember, remember meeting you and hearing this story at first. And I was like, I cannot understand why someone would ever do that. That's yeah. when I was like, why would someone run? And like, yeah. before the self-management process. And I totally agree that the process of engaging in it is so rewarding. That it kind of gets into those sort of things. Yeah, it I was remember, a lot about that. It was a lot about that. Just pictures and your muscles actually like some atrophy occurring. Yeah. Right? Yeah, as a result of just not eating. Yeah, I didn't have the energy to exercise at all. Yeah. Like I, when I well, started like it. Went it, from, it went from, uh, to paint the picture, like Abraham uh, is just kind of day-to-day form, right? Yeah. And then, like, you could see the fat kind of, like, eat away. And yeah. you could actually start to see the muscles eat away. Yeah. Like, in the pictures. And I'd never seen something like that. And I was just yeah. like, this is crazy. This guy's, <laughs> this guy's nuts. And it was just, <laughs> and it was just, I know that I've seen, I'm not trying to, like, go on this thing of fasting is so healthy and you can lose all this weight and all of that and, like, uh, and all... I literally just did it to see if I could yeah. because I didn't think that I could. Yeah. And I had no idea that that was something it's a that I example of how extreme it can get pretty quick. Right. Yeah. And like how, yeah. That terrible. definitely began to clash with my values. Yeah. Like really. And the other thing, um, and I actually had some contention with my family because they're like, we want to have dinner with you. I'm like, I'm not going to eat anything and don't try and make me because I'm going to hate you forever. Yeah. <laughs> and like I was very grumpy, um, but I, I really, really enjoyed this aspect of it. Of, yeah. Whoa, I can control so much of my behavior I didn't know I could control. Well, great power comes great responsibility, right? <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um, the, the last thing I feel like I wanted to touch on – well, I wanted, I wanted to ask you the question. Uh, yeah. Is it all willpower? <laughs> Is it all willpower? Yeah. Uh, is, someone, is someone who does this, never do they once, lack willpower because they're a bad person? No. Okay. Not at all. Uh, and that's – I was trying to hit that. Like you're not bad for not doing these sort of things. Right. Um, it's very much just where are we at, where do I want to go, mm-hmm. and creating that kind of supporting pro-social nurturing environment around how do we move forward. I think the key important the key parts are a lot of the techniques and kind of how-tos that we talked about, mm-hmm. plus finding someone that really knows how to tackle that thing you're trying to tackle. So I referenced them earlier as a subject matter expert. Yeah. So um, those things might be an app I'm kind of embedded in that sometimes, but there's so many people out there that, um, I never realized like how far an email or a tweet or whatever it is in the future that pops up actually yeah. goes. Yeah. Just asking somebody like, "Hey, can you help me out and mentor me in these sort of things?" Right. Mm-hmm. So anyway, like that's a that's a, an important part of it. So. Yeah, and I, I mean, I guess I, I sort of addressed this in the beginning of the, when people do this, and you're like, "How is it able to starve yourself for eight days? How is this person able to be so good with their money? How is this this person so so good at self managing?" And then you just like they, they just have great willpower. Like yeah. that doesn't tell you anything. What they have is they have a good system and good support and good experiences that have enabled them to do this. Yeah, and yeah, I was gonna say they've probably spent a hell of a long time trying to work on that. Yeah. Um, just recently, I've kind of been working on formally kind of getting some projects out there that I've been working on professionally, mm-hmm. and people see them see a few different ones kind of shaping up. And like, how do you have the time for this? And it's like. I don't think you realize, how, A, how long I've been working on these, how much I've learned of how I can achieve them on my own, how I need to learn other skills, how I need to find the right people, and then how much those other behind the scenes, how much there is like completely behind the scenes that is just not me. 
Yeah. There's so many other people there. So it's been a very big point of like, it's not really a self-management. I've got this down. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I've got it down and like my system's coming together. It took me years and, and I could count. I, I literally would need somewhere around, there's a hundred people day to day to some, some extent that is yeah. involved in like why I do what I do. And so self-management and in self-management, this case is almost you know. a misnomer because it's, it's not, you're not managing yourself. Yep. You have a system and a support and like those things that help yeah. regulate it for you. Probably some people like, I, I didn't really have a lot of support with some of the things I've done, but there was a set of circumstances that led to that. Yep. And those were things that were not just myself. And so, yeah, yeah. that's the last thing. Yeah. Yeah. Theoretically, like there has to always be someone else involved. Yeah. So I think, we, we've already been on this for a really long time. This is probably the longest episode ever. I figured it might be useful to just talk about what are some of the tools out there. We've mentioned some apps and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and there was two specifically, uh, well, one specifically that I was thinking of um, that we talked to. You actually mentioned a little bit with the stick contracts. Yeah. This thing called stick.com. And we're not advocating two, for or against this. Two Ks. S-T-I-C-K-K. Uh, or, right? or S-T-I-K-K. Something oh, like that. One of the two, sorry. Yeah. Something like that. Um, if Google. you Google it, you'll find it. Yeah. <laughs> and if you look up Carrots and Sticks, is a book by the uh, Ian Ayers wrote the book. With stick.com, the way that it's set up is it's a nonprofit, and you have something that you want to accomplish in your self-management system, and you go on and you pledge a certain amount of money, and they recommend a lot to an anti-charity. So most people will go on and it'll do something like a political party they don't like. So a Republican will go on and they're like, let's say during the last election, a Republican might go on and say like, if I don't hit my self-management goals, I'm giving $100 to Hillary Clinton every month. And on the opposite side of that, Democrat might go on and be like, if I don't hit my self-management goals, I'm giving $100 to the Trump campaign every month. And so there's uh, supposed to be this motivation of like, I don't want my money to, I don't want to lose my money. And I really don't want to lose my money if it's going to this event. And so they, they don't. Because there's people who might be like, well, I'm going to pledge mine to a charity I really agree with. But then it's like if you don't hit your goal, then it's like you still – you did yep. something that yep. you wanted. Yeah. Um, so there's kind of a scapegoat there or a way out of um, having to endure that. And then they also enroll other people that you are supposed to support them. But why might this not work for everyone? I mean I've got a specific example of myself okay. I can bring up. Is that cool? Yeah. Okay. So one of mine was daily fruit and veggie intake. And you used stick.com for this? I did. Okay. I will share it with the podcast notes. Okay. Um, it was, I don't know, three and a half years of okay. a struggle and self-management to like get these back up, like get these where I wanted to. Okay. Um, so I actually started tracking them when I learned about stick.com. Okay. And I was like, all right, set up a stick contract. I'm going to eat my daily recommended amount of like whatever it is, two and a half cups of fruit and yeah. three and a half cups of vegetables or something like that. Um, and so I did that and lo and behold, bam, I was doing very good at eating my, uh, fruits and veggies. I don't remember exactly what it was that I was donating to one of the anti, you know, parties was yeah. a concept. And what it did is it was very successful in the short term. When I ended the sick contract, everything dropped. Yeah. Okay. Didn't work. Um, so now, it's lacking that maintenance piece of like a whole system. Yes. And I know that that works for some folks. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be just enough to get you going and like get those things going. Which this is kind of like going to have to be self-management part two of like this like concept of behavior-behavior relations. Like engaging in certain behavior can lead to other behavioral things kind of happening. So like I, I do one habit and as a result, another habit forms. It's even like that's part of that. Mm-hmm. So like for my example, um, what I did was is it didn't work. I kind of struggled on and off of it for a couple of years. And it was a result of my truck actually breaking down and not having all the cash to like fix it immediately. 
that so really like French fries. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> so what I did was, uh, and it was actually a very nice time of year. So I was like, oh, I'll just ride my bike. Like I just ride my bike to work. Mm-hmm. So I jumped on my bike, rode my bike, rode my bike for three or four days. And I was like, hey, this is getting better. This is actually kind of fun. It's really nice. That was the perfect time of year to be mm-hmm. riding it. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result of me having to go farther and farther um, and like enjoying it, um, it was harder to eat unhealthy food. I okay. just, like, it was hard to hop on the bike right afterwards. Um, but it was actually, uh, basically making it much more likely that I was going to eat healthy. So what I did is I started to eat a lot of fruit and veggies, um, as a result of these other behavioral changes that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and it got me up to contacting the natural rewards that comes with the, having kind of more healthier lifestyle. So, so for me, what it was, was, uh, I wasn't kind of catching that maintenance piece okay. and I'm not exactly sure as to why definitely part of it, what it was is I wasn't contacting the really, uh, all the other benefits from a healthy lifestyle, gotcha. um, the energy increase and the being able to talk about it, share it with others was a big part as well as like exercise was a lot easier and those sort of things as well. So for me, um, that was, I guess a little bit went into it. What else I guess goes into why these things may or may not work. I mean, I think that it's because it's not necessarily, you have to like go to an external source to bring in the the system to change your behavior. I mean, you basically have to either commit to this is always going to be there mm-hmm. or it's going to just, it's going to change the system I'm using sufficiently enough that I will be able to, I'll have a new support and a new system in place. Um, so it might be like if, if it had instead been like going to a gym and maybe you like met some people at the gym and you started yep. working out with those people, yep. like that might be enough to actually maintain even without the stick contract. Yep. But if without the piece of having it be a part of the relevant features of your life and it only exists online, mm-hmm. I think that that's, that's where it's going to start to fall apart for some people if, if they don't have other ways to bring in other elements yeah. of their life that are then going to yeah. function th- yeah. in a similar way. I agree. So yeah, that's, uh, that's stick.com. Do you cool. have anything else on stick? No, actually, I don't have anything else on self-management. I think that we talked this one to death. <laughs> for sure. I was just, just going to wrap it up. There's a ton of apps out there. Like I could list them for... The other day, I literally looked up like on lists of over a thousand of different thousand different ones that, to some extent, are trying to motivate you. We'll just list them all right now. Whatever, whatever, <laughs> yeah, whatever kidding. industry you're in, like yeah. there's just hundreds. Cool. Um, so, I think the best thing to do is if people have anything, they can send in some, uh, drop into the comments like what area they're kind of looking for help in. Yeah, that's and try fine. to kind of crowdsource like what are some good tools and apps that are out there for people. Yeah, I um, love for uh, like if someone has uh, an idea problem or they want to change their behavior and other people know of a service or an app that they use like that'd be great you guys sort of pulled those ideas yeah um because the, the purpose of this episode again is not to come in and like tell you this is how to fix your behavior but to talk about like what self-management is and some of the strategies that exist within it and why it works for some people better than others and that sort of thing yeah yeah perfect that's all i got on self-management so that's I think, all i think we're there i think yeah. we're there all right perfect well i i guess we'll catch you next time Yeah. Signing off. This is Abraham. And Ryan O. Thanks for your time. All right. You've been listening to Why We Do What We Do. Why We Do What We Do is supported in part by ABAI's Disseminating Behavior Analysis Special Interest Group and our amazing listeners. If you like what you heard, consider heading to our Patreon account, at patreon.com slash WWD WWD podcast. Anything helps. 
and we are continuously lining up perks and merch for our supporters. If you have any comments or questions, we'd love to hear from you. Find us at WWDWWD Podcast on your favorite social media platforms. You can learn more about this and other episodes by going to www.podcast.com. There, you'll find links as well as detailed and shareable show notes. Why We Do What We Do is Abraham, Ryan O, and Miranda. Artwork and logo designed by Andrew Pollock at nogdesigns.com. Video and production assistance from Tyler Brucier with music courtesy of Justin Greenhouse. Brendan Bohr does our episode art. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have an awesome day. Thank you.